Hey there. Have you ever thought about having your very own business or services talked about right here on the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast? Well, it is your lucky day, my friends. I am officially opening up opportunities to be a sponsor to have your very own 30 or 60 second ad right here within the show. To learn more about how you can partner with me as a podcast sponsor, or maybe even through Instagram, Facebook, or email marketing, visit coachkaya.com forward slash partner to learn more. I would love to work with you. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Today feels like a little bit of a full circle moment because I'm introducing you to a very long time friend that I go all the way back to college with. We didn't go to college together, but I first met Caroline Rose while serving as a national ag ambassador back in the day while in college through the National FFA organization. And since then, it has just been so cool and so fun and exciting to see just how much our lives and our businesses have evolved over the years. A little bit about Caroline. She is a small business marketing strategist and CEO from Montana on a mission to help businesses get to the next level by turning followers into paying customers. She prefers to spend her days in sale barns or on the ranch, but she's a pro at working from anywhere. I can attest. I've seen her work in some crazy places (laughs) and will pour her heart into taking care of her clients. Without further ado, let's welcome Caroline to the show. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome, Caroline. So excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, I half expected maybe we'd be doing this podcast interview from a truck somewhere because you're running the roads all the time, but you're, you're, you looks like you're at home. Yes. I leave at 4.30 in the morning to drive to North Dakota tomorrow uh, for a bull sale and an unemployment audit. So if I recover and I still have a business next week, you'll know they didn't get me too bad. But um, I am home today. Well, I am sending prayers your way for that. And that also checks out that, of course, you're hitting the road first first thing next week. Now, before we get too deep into things, I know that some of our listeners are already familiar with you. But Caroline, I would love for you just to give us the quick backstory on your career journey and how the heck you got to where you are today as this badass CEO woman. Well, it starts in college and I mean, maybe even starts a little bit before that. So our parents actually went to Cal Poly together and my dad always wanted us kids to be involved in agriculture, but he never really forced it. And he said, you have to go work for someone else and then you can come back to the operation, but you got to go. Someone else has to write your paychecks. And I took that as, I'm just going to write my own paychecks. And I remember in college, I got a job offer and it was exceptional. Looking back, I probably should have taken it, but I didn't. They said that I could work for nine months out of the year and buy cattle for the other three or four months, depending on how it worked. And it was an incredible, I mean, we're talking almost six figures, insurance, everything like that. And I called my dad and I was crying. And I said, dad, I just can't, I can't work for someone. And he said, 
Well, you know you need to work, right? I mean, (laughs) I was wondering where he went wrong on the parenting front that I would think that I could come out of college with a degree and not work. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to work. I just don't want to work for someone. And he was like, okay, best of luck to you. And so I graduated in 2015, which is almost eight years ago, which is crazy. But I decided I was going to buy cattle. My dad's a cattle buyer. And he always talked about, you know, I can't ever find anyone who understands livestock. And I said, well, I livestock judged at college. I'm sure I can learn. And so he said, if you start your own business, you take all the risk, I'll partner with you. And so I said, okay. So I started buying cattle right out of college. And I tell everyone that the first summer, I think he just paid me to pick up rock in the feedlot because I was starving to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it was bad. And so I um, was buying kettle with him. He was taking me to the sale barn, all of that. And I had a customer approach me and ask me to list his bread heifers on social media. And they sold in about seven minutes. And I remember calling my dad and saying, oh, I have something now. And he was like, I don't know about that, you know, a little old school. And he said, well, you know, do whatever you think is right. So it transitioned into marketing a lot for purebred producers. I realized that the seed stock industry was significantly behind in the ways that they were marketing and kind of the technology they were using. And so we really started diving in right then. I had I had my first team member join me that fall. And the business today looks a little different, but a lot of the same. About 50% of our business is production sale marketing. The other 90 or other 45% to get to 95% is ag supported businesses. And then we have five or 10% that is small businesses, not in agriculture, but usually there's some tie to agriculture. So they have a parent who's involved in agriculture or a spouse or sibling, something to that nature. And there is nine K-Rose team members. We do everything. We're a full service agency. So social media, design, video, photography, websites, I mean, all of that. And that's really what K-Rose company is. And then I, a couple years ago, I ventured out and I started an educational platform called Cattleman U that we are focusing on women in agriculture, realizing that I am a big believer that the to ensure the next generation of farmers and ranchers, we have to bring creativity and that femininity sensitivity side back into agriculture. And so we really empower women. We teach women about being at the business table, being involved, finding their place on the operation. And then one other aspect that I just started to do, I mean, I still buy cattle as well. So now we're three pieces. Let's talk about the fourth piece. I opened a farm to table retail store in Kalispell, Montana in October called The Rancher's Daughter with a business partner. And we sell our family's beef, but we also work with other producers, makers, growers in the state of Montana to showcase their products in our store. So the whole store is made in Montana. We have like beef, lamb, chicken, pork, honey, vegetables, candles, lotion, all made in Montana stuff. Um, We want to be a farmer's market year round. And so that is what I do on the fringe time. Because you have so much fringe time, I'm sure. Man, I just love it. And I love how your business and your career has just really taken shift based on the things that let you up, which I think is so, so powerful. But I want to go back a little bit because in hearing your story and witnessing your journey, I would describe you, and I mean this in a very positive way, I would describe you as a disruptor in our industry. And I would love to hear about you know when you first decided 
you know, trying to figure this out, trying to figure out what your path is going to be, trying to figure out what would being your own boss look like. And you're like, Ooh, I could market cattle on Facebook. You know, what I know of the ranching world, the ranching culture, which is a lot of older men, I can imagine not everybody received that super well, or maybe got fully on board. I'd love to hear about what was it like kind of stepping into leadership and stepping into these different like disruptive business ideas within our industry as a young woman in agriculture? What was that experience like? Yeah, so you're right. It did not come across very well at the beginning. I remember my dad saying, I don't know about this. And I was like, just Mm -hmm. trust me. Still to this day, I use my dad's checkbook when I buy and sell cattle. So let's be clear. He is still a very integral part of the operation. Mm -hmm. And I sold some cattle to a guy on Facebook and we never talked on the phone. We Facebook messaged back and forth. Then he wired the money and I shipped the cattle. And I remember my dad was appalled. He was like, you have to call him. You can't, we can't do it this way. And the guy ended up wiring too much money. Oh my gosh. And we had to go in and send him a refund check for the portion that he overpaid us. We must have sorted a heifer off or something, but he overpaid us and that cattle got there. And I've actually gone out and visited this family and looked at what we sent. But my dad said, this might be a thing. And he, mm. he was really the one that said, we can do this. And he's very well respected. And so people really understood and followed suit. I still today, when I'm talking to producers about the different ways that we market, I just say, we have to have something different. What is the harm in trying it? And most of them are really good. But I think the time where I really realized how disruptive in the industry I was is I had an interview, I think it was with Tri-State Livestock. And the lady said, what does it feel like being a woman in a man's world? Mm. And for the moment, it sounds stupid now. I hadn't realized (laughs) that I was different. Mm. I just was doing, you know, what I could do. And my dad had always said to us kids, you'll never be the oldest or the wisest in the room, but you can outwork anyone. And Mm. I just was working. I mean, I didn't realize that I was looked at differently because I was a woman that I was perceived different because I was a woman because of what I was doing. And it really caught me off guard. And then I started to kind of lean into that. And I've heard people say the combination in the cattle marketing world between my dad and I is a very unique combination because there's not very many women involved and there's not that kind of creative side in agriculture. It was, it has left a lot. And so we're trying to bring it back, but it is, a lot of new ideas that we try things all the time and mm-hmm. it is really fun because it works, but it is also a lot of, okay, let's go back to the basics. Let's explain what social media is, why I think we should do this. And then a lot of trust me. And if it doesn't work, you know, I'll figure out a way to make it right. And nine times out of 10, it works really well. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I recently did a keynote to a room of women in agriculture. And it was all about cultivating confidence. And what I love so much about hearing your story and just knowing you as a person and as a friend is that you have so much confidence. And it's not confidence in saying, I know the answer and the solution to everything, but it's confidence in, I trust myself to try things. And if it doesn't work, just to figure it out. And I just think that that is such a beautiful quality to have, especially as someone in entrepreneurship, whether you're starting out or whether you're just continuing to grow and expand as clearly you have done and continue to do. And I just think that is so, so valuable. You know, thinking back to when you said 
at the time you were picking up rocks and starving, right? Stepping into entrepreneurship, even when you have the support of your family or your friends or your community is, I mean, I think terrifying (laughs) for a lot of us when we get started because we don't, we don't know what we don't know. And so if someone's listening to this and maybe they have, maybe they have like a vision, like that's one thing that I would say about you, Caroline, is that you are a visionary. You're able to look at something and find a new way to conceptualize that. And I think that's such a gift, but what would you say to someone who is maybe exploring the idea of stepping into entrepreneurship? And maybe they have this like off the wall idea, like selling cows on Facebook or, you know, whatever flavor of that it is, what wisdom might you offer them at this like beginning stage? Yeah. Two things that I talk a lot about is it's never going to be perfect. To be honest, we're eight years into business and we sent out the wrong form to people and had people fill out the wrong form that I just found this morning. I was like, oh, can you hand email all those people and have them fill out the right Mm -hmm. form? And it's never going to be perfect. And you can't wait to start until it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we wait. We're like, oh, let me just get my website live. Let me just get all my... No, you just got to start. You just got to go and you got to start. The other thing too is... You can never control someone else's reaction. You can only control you. And I say in my marriage, in my relationship with my family, in the businesses I own, anytime there's conflict internal or external, meaning within myself or in a relationship, or I have a manager who's talking to an employee, I say, what are the controllables here? Can you control the controllables? You can only control what you say. You can't control how they feel. You can only control how you approach the conversation. You can't control how they react. And in being an entrepreneur, like you can only control your ideas and the way you deliver them and all that. You cannot control how the audience accepts it, whether they're going to talk bad, whether they're going to hang up the phone on you, like all of that. And I think about that a lot when I make sales calls. I mean, I'm still making sales calls eight years in is I'm like, I can control my story. I know what I do and why I do it. I cannot control their reaction. If they hang up, that's on them. It's not on me. And Mm -hmm. releasing some of that pressure and knowing what you can control and what you can't control and really honing in on controlling the things you can control and letting the rest go. So, so good. Gosh. And that is, man, that's a lesson in life, not just entrepreneurship. I'm like, there's, I feel like that wisdom is is just so transferable in, in all, in all aspects of life. So thank you so much for sharing that. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in. It is so special to have you here, but I wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you like hearing from me? Not just in this way on the podcast, but what would you think about getting a little bit of sunshine into your inbox every Wednesday morning? That's exactly what I send to everybody that has signed up for my email list. Every Wednesday, I let you know what the new podcast is that's dropping. I also give you free resources, books I'm reading, quotes I'm loving, recommendations, and just whatever thoughts are stewing in my brain. And I'd love to have you hang out with me over there. You can click the link below to sign up for my email list, and I would love to see you in your inbox. You know, you have... You, you have and you still continue to work with a wide variety of types of businesses. And in your perspective, what do you see as some of the common biggest challenges, marketing or otherwise, for some of those businesses that you serve? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is, and I talk a, a lot about this in my social media classes, 
we are a PhD at our business, no matter what our business is, because we've thought about it for hours, right? At home, we're planning, we're writing to do, I mean, all these things. We expect our customers to be that, but they're actually in kindergarten. And I'm a very visual person, like you mentioned. And I think about taking your child to kindergarten, right? I remember when my nephew, Jason, when he was getting ready for school, my sister-in-law drove him to the school. She held his hand. She was like, here's the drinking fountain. Here's the bathroom. Here's where your backpack's going to go. And you guys can visualize this, right? First day of school, you walk them through the whole situation. And if you have a high schooler, you drop them off, right? You don't need to show them where the drinking fountain is most of the time. And we expect our customers to be high schoolers when they're actually in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And most people who have a business, the reason why they're not getting sales, the reason why it's not clicking for their audience is because they're talking way over their head. They're assuming people know what kind of facial to book. And people don't even know what a facial is, much less what kind to book. Or people can't find their location, so people aren't coming in. It's like these little teeny things Mm. that are the reason we can't make sales. And we're thinking, wow, they don't like my product. No, no, no. They don't even know how to buy your product or what you're serving. Mm. And so when we go through the no like, and trust, I was just on a consult with a customer this morning. I said, your customer doesn't even know how to cook your product. And they're like, you're right. So I'm like, why are we expecting them to buy it when they aren't even sure how to cook it, the quality, how to store it? I said, we got to back up. We got to start from ground zero. And so if you have a product or a service or a business and you're not getting the sales you need, you need to ask yourself, like, do my customers actually even know what I offer? And it doesn't sound stupid. Think about speed limit signs. We see speed limit signs every day. Most of the time, unless it's a new spot, we know the sign, but we know the speed limit. Our cars even tell us the speed limit now, but we never say, duh, I already knew that. Like we would never think that. We are like, thanks for the reminder. You know how reassuring it is when you drive by a speed limit sign and you're like, yep, okay, I'm good. And we expect our customers to be like, duh, I already knew your location. No, they don't say that. They're like, thanks for the reminder. Or have you told them where to park? Or have you told them, if you're a website designer, have you told them what the process looks like, what they need to come to the meeting? Half the people won't even book the meeting because they're not even sure that they need a website or they know how to do a website or they know the costs associated. I mean, there's all these things. You have to really start from ground zero. And then the other thing that everyone hates is it takes someone on average 21 times to see your name before they ever consider exchanging money with you. And so a lot of times people get really frustrated. They'll be like, I had a sale and no one bought. And I said, how many times did you post? They'll say one or two. And I was like, okay, so 19 times more. And then we can talk about whether you have the right product for your customer base. If we aren't posting enough, people just miss it. They overlook it. They're busy. We have the attention span of a goldfish. It takes 21 times for someone to have it sink in. And if you don't believe me, think about a billboard you drive by every single day. How many times have you driven by? And you might recognize the billboard, but you might not know the business name or you may never have called them. How many times does it take us driving by a billboard before we actually let the information sink in? It's a lot more than 21 times. Mm. Oh, you know, I think I needed this reminder today too, Caroline, to be honest with you. You know, it's so easy in business. We kind of like what we were talking about, we need to simplify. We are so close to it and we forget that nobody else is as close to it as we are. 
And especially when it comes to marketing and social media marketing, it's like, gosh, I feel like I'm talking about myself all the time. And we get cringy when we feel like we're selling constantly and talking about our stuff. But gosh, you're so right. And when I think about the ads that I scroll by on Instagram, I've seen them before. But every time I see it, it's like chipping away at like their ability to make a sale with me. And so I just, I love that reminder. And that is applicable no matter what the person's business is. Beautiful, beautiful pieces of wisdom. You know, you clearly have a lot of irons in the fire. You are a multi-passionate person and you are really good about seeing different needs and basically being the one to help fill it. But what I know is that you have not been able to do so on your own. And from an outsider perspective looking in, I see one of your strengths being building a team and managing a team. And at this point, personally, as an entrepreneur, I have outsourced with different contractors. I have um, one right now. Hi, Jill. She's editing my podcast. And I know that there's a lot of things that I do that I couldn't do by myself. But I would love to ask you about when it comes to managing a team, hiring a team, outsourcing, knowing when to house, outsource, when do you hire a team? For any entrepreneurs that are, are listening that are thinking, gosh, how do they do it all? There's so much more that I want to do. How do I do that? What have you learned so far about that process of building a team and hiring a team? Yeah, I would say having a team is the, the hardest part of business, but also life's biggest blessing. I have an incredible team. I have had most of my team for a long time. Well, you know, two years, most of them are past the two-year mark. And a few things that I've learned about setting up a team. One, we transitioned to the EOS model in our business about 2019. Tell so, me, tell, tell folks what EOS means. What does that okay. mean? Okay. It's the entrepreneurial operating system. And so how mm-hmm. we how it's structured is I'm the visionary. And then there's three departments. So we have a marketing department that's in charge of marketing all things K-Rose. We have an operations department. Think about the shoe factory. They get the order from the marketing department. They build the shoe. And then we have operations and support and office is what it's called. And that's like the pillars to the business. So there's three different very clear sections and they each have a manager. And it has allowed me to be the visionary because they are actually in charge of that department and handling Mm. the day-to-days. And so switching that, there's a book called Traction that really changed the game. And we have all new hires read it. The other thing that I realized about a team is you have to have high expectations about, especially now working from home. But there's just this fine balance. My team's all over the United States. We only use Slack to communicate. And they are expected to perform at a high level and we fire quickly and we hire really slowly. And we come with the expectation that we hustle and it is hard and it is really rewarding work. We see businesses transformed all the time. But if you want a job where you're going to work a couple hours and you're full time, like that's not, we're not that. Like we, I am hungry. We are always after the next thing. There Mm -hmm. is hours and hours and hours of work we can get done. And it's this fine balance of pushing people to do their full potential, but also understanding if they have doctor's appointments and the flexibility that I desire as a leader and how they can do it while still having the accountability of getting everything done and working the hours they need to get done. The other thing is I make sure all of my new hires do the Enneagram. I'm very clear to them that I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm going to come across rude. That's why you have a manager because they will tone me down. Um, And also that I have to realize what is high priority, high importance. And the rest of the stuff 
it's okay if it falls off. The high priority, high important stuff, we're really on top of. The other stuff, there's a little bit more flexibility with. And I really trust my gut on hiring. I have, like I said, incredible team members. They are very involved in the mission. And I make sure that they are all smarter than me. And they all know something that I don't know because I want together all of us to be a better unit versus me just micromanaging them. And the thing about having a team is you always have to hire the next person when it gets a little scary. And Mm. it's like I we're in the position right now of writing a job description actually on my list today. And in our leadership meeting, we said, "Mm, this position's a little scary. And I said, that means it's right. Like that means it's a right hire is always kind of pushing the limits and knowing, okay, can we do this? Is this the right next move? And like I said, I have really been blessed. I It was a challenge to grow a team. I mean, it is hard to get people who want to work from home and who know the passion. And we have a big workload, especially this time of year with production sales, but growing a team It's incredible. I mean, these women, all of my team right now is women. They are amazing. I mean, all of them could get a job by someone else. So please don't come look online to hire them. Um, (laughs) But they're all just like these exceptional women. And I'm just honored to play a role in their life. I know, you know, I'm not going to be their career forever. Working for K-Rose is going to be a step in their journey. I hope a few things that they learn is anything's possible. We can dream up any idea and make it happen. And I hope that they always remember the time and the team that they got to grow with and they got to learn something that they didn't know before. I love that. I love that. Man. Yeah. I love that you do the Enneagram with your team because working with people, it's not about getting a, it's not always just about getting a job done. It's about finding out how to work with people. And relationships are hard, period, whether it is a romantic relationship, a family relationship, or a business relationship. And I feel like utilizing tools like that just creates so much better communication and understanding with one another. I think that's so, so cool. I'd love to kind of shift conversations really quick and get a little personal if you're willing with me, Caroline. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So I know a little bit, you know, knowing you and following you that this last year there has been a, I don't know why I keep using the word disruption, but a disruption in your life and your career. You had some personal things going on. Your, your dad had um, some really big health things that you were really helping take care of him through. And I'd love to hear more about that and how it is that you balance your personal life and the things that come up unexpectedly, taking care of your family, taking care of yourself while also managing a multi-tiered business with a team, how does that all come together? Yeah, so to kind of lay the foundation, we had a very rough May, so I'll set the stage. My dad was having some throat issues. They thought it was um, heartburn. And he finally said, like, I've been a couple heartburn meds, a couple years, this is not working. And so they went in and took out his tonsil, which as an adult is a very rough surgery. And then they tested and the tumor behind the tonsil was cancer. So he came home, he had surgery. The next week, exactly one week later, we found out that it was cancer. And exactly one week after that, we went in for a PET scan. And I always thought I would be a nurse and I just love to care for people. I have told my poor husband that I've offered our house to all of my grandparents (laughs) <laughs> and there as they need help. Um, and so I was there, I took him to his pet scan and 
this was a Friday, I believe, that I took him to his PET scan or a Thursday. And the lady said, did you not follow the rules? And my dad is such a rule follower. He's a one on the Enneagram. And he said, oh, no, I followed the rules. And she said, well, your blood sugar is 400. And he said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I think you're going to go into a diabetic coma. So you need to leave and go home. My dad was like, great. So of course I'm calling this cancer doctor and I was like, okay, so we can't get the PET scan because his blood sugar is 400. What do I do? Well, all in the same amount of time, actually, while we were walking up to the PET scan, I was breathing kind of heavy. <laughs> and I said, my dad's like, wow, you're, are you okay? Like, are you getting out of shape? And I was like, no, like I've been working with the trainer. I'm not that out of shape. And he's like, you're breathing pretty heavy. And I was like, yeah, my stomach kind of hurts. So I get him home, I get him settled, and I drive back into, I live about 30 minutes from the ranch. And I have an appendix attack, and I go into emergency surgery that night. It was quite this big, massive blur. So all of that happened in one month, and then we decided to go get a second opinion at Mayo or at MD Anderson in Texas. And it was zero question. I can work from my computer for the most part. And I knew I was going to go with him. My dad is not married. My mother is not in the picture. And his parents are elderly. I mean, my grandma's 85 and my grandpa turns 90 in March. And I said, this is not a reality for them to go. My brother, my older brother's on the ranch every single day. So I was like, he can't leave. Like both of them can't leave. That'd be a wreck. And then my little brother is not, he doesn't live at the ranch. So I said, I'm going, I'm happy to go. I can work from anywhere. And actually It was such a blessing. My dad thinks, Mm. and at my wedding, he said, you know, it was the biggest sacrifice and he kind of got emotional. And I did not feel that at all. I was like, I was made for this. Like I was made Mm. to be here and to take care of you and to go all the fine details and make sure we're taking all the medications and follow all the time. And I really relied heavily on a team. I was so thankful that I had a team. But also one thing that I really learned is I can get a lot done in a couple hours And I say that to a lot of entrepreneurs, like my first probably four years of business, I wasted so much time. Like I thought I was being productive, but I actually wasn't that productive. And I didn't, I don't need to work eight hours. I do because I love it and I love the momentum, but I can get the high priority things done in a couple hours every single day. And so I was able to just, we got a little apartment down there and we spent time together. And when it was I needed to be at appointments. I was like at appointments. And when I needed to be working, I was working. And it felt like a change because I was in Texas all summer, but it was easily the biggest blessing. And I learned so much about myself and so much about how I can do business in the cracks of the day. And I'm not a mom yet, so I don't really have experience with that. But I knew that part of the reason I'm self-employed was to be able to take care of him. And we heard time and time again, men, my dad's age in their sixties who would say, yeah, my, you know, kids have families, they have jobs, they can't be here. And I just, it just kept hitting me. Like, this is why I'm not married yet. I got married on new year's Eve. So this was, you know, after this summer, I don't have kids yet. Like I was made to be here and just realizing Mm. it and spending that time with him. And also It was great for my creative juices. We thought of ranch camp there and we did a lot of brainstorming and working together. And just it's time that, you know, I would not replace with anything. But also I was like, this is why I'm an entrepreneur. Like, Mm. so I have the freedom to be here and to support him while maintaining everything at home. I mean, I signed the lease for the rancher's daughter from Texas. 
Wow. Wow. What a powerful story, Caroline. And I just love the perspective that you have about it, about how much growth there was there and how much you learned about yourself and your business and the creativity and how, gosh, everything kind of lined up so well for you to be able to have the flexibility to do that. And I just, it's so, so, so powerful. You know, in talking about the timeline or the timing as entrepreneurs, you know, people say that our productivity or like our time expands, we get things done in the amount of time that we have. And so if we have eight hours, the project will take eight hours. But if we have an hour and a half, it's only going to take an hour and a half. And I have found that to be so, so true as an entrepreneur too. Like productivity and working, I'm doing air quotes right here, are kind of different, right? And so I think I think that that is just such a, such a great lesson in that. And um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that personal story with us and our listeners. When it comes to having that, that team, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's the hardest thing to do and it's also the biggest blessing. I would love to hear about your first hire, who it was and what it was with the outsourcing. Yeah. And I'm asking you this selfishly for me because I've never hired someone fully as a team member. Yeah. So my first team member played a ton of different roles and I'm sure her job title sounded something like admin manager or operations manager. And it was really like emails. I started to think about things that I necessarily didn't need to control. Like what happens if I respond back to a client wrong? Not much. What happens if the website breaks a lot, right? So like, Mm. what can I do? The other thing that people will probably be really interested to know is I don't know any design skills. Mm. So I can do Facebook. Great. I can Mm. write emails. Great. I can edit a website, but it takes me about 10 times longer than anyone else. I cannot design a logo. A lot of times when I first started, I would draw a logo on a piece of paper and send it to the freelance designer and say, can you make it look just like this on the computer? But the first person that came in to really support was doing things such as organizing inbox, proposals, stuff like that to kind of keep the business flowing. I oftentimes when I think about hiring is I say, how can they pay for themselves? And Mm -hmm. with a team of nine, there are certainly some team members that don't pay for themselves. And there are certainly some team members that pay three or four times themselves. But I, my time is a valuable asset being the owner of the business. And so if someone can take tasks off my plate that free me up to do more money activities, Mm -hmm. then that I know is a great hire, a great person to put in our team. And the thing that I learned too about team members is they're human and they ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. I have a team member on my team who's been with me, I bet five years, maybe even six. And she's had tons of different roles. She's had several children. And so what it looks like when she is postpartum with a new baby looks a little different than other seasons of life. And she's also growing her own business. And so How can I ebb and flow and support her during her slow months and make it a partnership? The thing I always tell my team is I am a beginner. If I'm doing something wrong, I am only 30. I only have so many years of experience. Please tell Mm -hmm. me. If you don't Mm -hmm. tell me, no one else will. And so I really rely on them to say like, hey, we need more support here, or this would be a good hire, or we need someone to do this. But really finding kind of a sidekick was my very first hire, and I still have two of them in the business today that Mm -hmm. I can call and say, this is not in your realm of work. Would you do this? Would you call this person back? I'm in a meeting. Would Mm -hmm. you 
answer this question that you maybe don't know the answer to, but will you figure it out and let them do that. But having someone who's really intimate in the circle who knows a lot about the business and can just see the problems, help me solve them is a great first hire. I love that. It's kind of like the the line, all other duties as required have yes. to catch all, whatever that is. Every job um, has that. I'm like, okay. Every job, every job right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Caroline, I'm just continually inspired by you and the way that you are disrupting the agriculture industry in such a, such a big, big way, the way that you are empowering women in what you do, in how you serve and how you lead in your business. And I just know that you're just now getting started. Like you said, you're only 30 and man, what a career and what a legacy you've already built for yourself. And I just, I just know there's so much other goodness to come. I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, the podcast is called Climbing with Coach Kaya, and it's a metaphor for how life is like climbing a series of mountain ranges with lots of high highs and lots of low lows. And I'd love for you to share what a current mountain is that you're climbing in your life or business. Yeah. So a current, I don't know, mountain or issue thing that we're trying to solve is travel. And uh, so you'll enjoy this story. We, in the production sale world, a lot of the ringmen fly to sales. So mm-hmm. I was like, why can't I fly to sales? We got quotes and I had to nicely ping my assistant and be like, that $14 two-day private flight is probably not in the budget. Like, <laughs> Thank you for considering that. But one thing is I do come from a family of pilots and mm-hmm. we will probably inherit an airplane and both my husband and I have decided to get our pilot's license this summer. Oh. So we are excited about that and also the possibility of not spending 60,000 miles in a vehicle and being able to fly some places and just save a little bit of time because as we think about growing a family, we really want to make sure that we're intentional about the time we spend. And so that is one of the current big projects that we have on our plate is getting a pilot's license and figuring out how we can just be better stewards of our time. Oh my gosh. What a cool project. To, I, can, I can just see it now, Caroline. I just see this like beautifully branded plane, like flying in on the private little airstrip. Like I, I just see it like with a pasture of cows behind it. Yes. We're very excited. I love that journey for you and your family so, so much. Please keep me posted. Fly to visit me next time. How about that? Okay. Sounds great. (laughs) Please share with our listeners if they want to learn more from you, how they can get connected with you, find out more about all your different facets of your business. Tell us how we find you in all the ways. Absolutely. So we have K-Rose Company, which is on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, we have a website. That is really, if you are a rancher or someone who is raising livestock, that is the best place for you. You need website design, logo design, any of that. That's the company for you. If you are interested in kind of doing ranching differently, so adding value to your operation, um, starting a ranch, getting involved, Cattleman U is the best place for you. So we have a We have a podcast, the Kettleman U podcast. We also have Instagram, Facebook, and a website. And then we are launching my personal brand, which is going to be Caroline Rose Bohannon. And I'm going to talk just small business marketing tips on there. It looks like we're going to have a podcast over there too. And just really empowering business owners to do business better. I wish that there were some things that I knew about starting a business, running a business, marketing on social media. And so that's really going to be the platform that I do some consulting and some speaking, and we will have a Facebook page and then my Instagram for that as well. And then occasionally I go on a TikTok rant about marketing cattle, 
And uh, I might be the only person with a TikTok followers that are 70% male, 30% female. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. All of those different links will be down in the show notes. You guys can click over and make sure to connect with Caroline in all the ways. Caroline, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and sharing your story with our listeners. It truly means a lot. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, sweet listener, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. We'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.